Penn State alum Andrew Mikhevich has officially landed in Tokyo and is gearing up for the 2020 Olympic Games. Now, prior to his departure, we caught up with the nation's third-ranked fencer, world top 100, to chat about his road to Tokyo, what he's looking forward to outside of competition, and how the word nonchalant drives him. Let's get to our conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Mikhevich. Andrew, let's start with this because it's such a fascinating concept for those that don't get to experience it. That being travel, what does your schedule look like from the time you leave the United States to the moment you arrive in Japan? Yeah, so this is a little different um, and a little ambiguous with these Olympics compared to the past ones with COVID for good reasons. Uh, so there's a lot of restrictions, a lot of uh, paperwork we have to file out um, and bring with us a lot of information when we get to Japan. So once we get to Japan, we actually have to have uh, a bunch of apps on our phone so they can monitor exactly where we are, contact tracing. Um, we have to send out a COVID test 96 hours before we get to Tokyo and another one 72 hours before we get there. So it's, it is very serious. They are taking the right precautions to make sure that no one's um, transmitting COVID from one athlete to another or any kind of person that's going there to uh, coaches, staff, attendees. Um, it's a little hectic, um, getting bombarded with emails left and right, um, making sure I have to fill out all the right paperwork and bring the right information with me once I get to Tokyo. You have a, a preference where you sit on the plane? Are you a front of the plane guy, back window. of the plane? It has to be window. Has to yeah. be window? It has to be window, yeah. I, I tried aisle when I first started like my journey of fencing and traveling, uh, but I always I have long legs. I get always like jammed up with the... Uh, drink cart uh, or someone's like budging me to like get up and uh, I don't know I the second I sit on a plane right when I get in this window seat I pass out and I wake up when we're, we're like getting off the plane uh, so it's a it's a gift and I'll take it so no matter how long the flight is I, I sit down I fall asleep and I wake up once we're there you have a go-to airport snack or airplane snack um, I love to land in Frankfurt Germany um, they have a really nice Lufthansa lounge there and be flying with United for so many years. I have enough points and status to uh, get in their lounge. Best breakfast. Like the eggs are always the same every year, every, like every month when I go there to that airport, go into the lounge, um, freshly squeezed orange juice, espresso machine. Like it's always what I look forward to it. And every time we're traveling to Europe or anywhere, I try to fly through Frankfurt so I can go to that lounge. I love it. So you're basically telling me that, yeah, there's a lot of travel with fencing and you've had uh, some tough times on the road and stuff like that. But, hey, don't get you wrong. You got some status. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, once you actually get to, to Tokyo, um, you were talking about the apps and stuff that you're going to use and COVID testing and whatnot. That's not going to go away. But what's the one thing that you're looking forward to doing that's away from the actual sport? Uh, so we're not allowed to leave the Olympic village while we're there. Uh, we cannot attend other sporting events unless it's just our own. So I was pretty excited to watch, you know, the men's basketball, uh, women's and men's basketball. I love, I'm a huge basketball fan and where you always have a great team and having the opportunity to see them win would have been fantastic. But uh, with the restrictions in place, it is, it will be tough um, to get like the full Olympic experience. Um, but hopefully some good sushi. I really hope the Olympic Village cafeteria has some bomb sushi. Uh, I mean, I live in the East Coast, I live in Boston. We do have great seafood. Um, 
for clam chowder, I guess. But in terms of sushi, I really hope they blow it through the roof in Tokyo. Sushi. Yeah, yeah. What kind of what kind of sushi you like? Uh, spicy tuna. I'll, I'll take that. A little bit of avocado. I'm not a big celery kind of guy or cucumber that they put in sushi. I think like a California roll, they do that. Um, but nah, just spicy tuna, a little bit of avocado, maybe cream cheese. I don't know. Whatever they throw at me, I'll try it. I'm sure it'll be great. Variety is the spice of life. You know, you just got to roll with it. What are you looking forward to with that experience? Because not many people, let's be honest, have been in Olympic Village. And now with things even more restricted, you can't really leave there. So you're going to get the full dose of that Olympic Village experience. Uh, I, hey, listen, with, with all the restrictions, uh, besides the food, I really hope the bedding, I hope I get a like, good night's sleep. I really hope they make sure the beds are really comfortable because uh, I get really cranky if I don't get a good night's sleep. <laughs> but uh, just being with my teammates is going to be phenomenal. Um, a few of them have already competed in previous Olympics, so they kind of know the show. Um, but I'm going to be nonchalant with everything I do once I get there. And uh, it's great to see, like, after all this training that I've done, that everything's coming to fruition. And um, I'm really excited just to compete. I feel really comfortable when I'm on the strip and I just got the fence. Uh, it's where I feel at home. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's definitely what I'm looking forward to the most once I get to the to the village. Um, just preparing myself mentally, physically, and giving it all once, once uh, the, the, the bout and the competition starts. Now, I might be mistaken, but when some people hear the word nonchalant, they think, oh my gosh, he's not taking it seriously. But why do you use the word, the term rather, nonchalant to your advantage? Um, listen, you're at the Olympics. Everyone uh, that you're competing against is, you know, has been training for you know, a year, two years plus for this moment. So we're all in the same physical condition, right? Um, so it comes down, to, especially for fencing, it comes down to like a mental game. I like to call it the physical game of chess. Um, so if I keep a cool head, uh, but fire my heart, uh, I think things will go really well. Um, cause I don't want to get, don't get me wrong. I am anxious, but as long as I keep confident with myself, keep a cool head. Um, and this is how I've always been throughout my whole entire career and my fencing career, even at Penn state, just keeping a cool head going forward and just keeping, you know, my heart fired up. Uh, everything should go well. Uh, but I understand why, what you mean by like people thinking, oh, he's saying he's nonchalant, he's a little too calm. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I have butterflies in my stomach. I'm ready to compete. Uh, just got to keep a cool head. How do you keep those butterflies to a minimum right before you take that strip? Uh, definitely music. Um, if you ask any of my teammates, I constantly have my AirPods in, um, or some kind of headphones, um, or even in the, like in the hotel room or, uh, when we're warming up, I like play with my JBL speaker and I'll just be blasting music getting in the zone, uh, keep my mind, my mind off of just competing until the very moment, the very second I'm on the strip and I get on guard and the ref says fence and it's go time. Yeah. I'm sure you've answered this question before, but what's the go-to song right before you go, go to out? Song? It, I don't, uh, variety is a spice of life. Like I don't have, it's every competition. Um, whenever I'm traveling, I'll find a song and be like, all right, this, this one's the one I can groove to this. And I'll just roll with it. Um, and I'll play the same song like a hundred times before I fence on the same day. And whatever it is, like whatever I'm feeling, I'll go with it. And uh, hopefully it leads me to good success with that song. <laughs> Wait, so is that like, you're gonna find that song on the flight over? You're gonna find that once you land in Tokyo? Yeah, so it usually, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> no, it usually happens when like I'm at the airport going through security. I'll find a song or um, once I'm at like a destination and I'm just like listening to music. It can be an old song, a new song I never heard before. And yeah, something just clicks with it and I'll just go with it. Who do you talk to to kind of be your rock, if you will? Um, do a lot of self-talking. Um, definitely just like get in my head and motivate. Um, because I mean, I, I'll listen to my coach for like advice. Um, my teammates, um, definitely it's great to like go to a competition and have like teammates to have your back and you have theirs and you bounce off ideas and suggestions on, you know, what will take you to the next level in succeeding in the sport. Um, but at the end of the day, it really comes to like self-motivation, self-talk and really believing in yourself and um, give it your all you got to have fun if you're not enjoying it you're not going to compete well you really got to enjoy what you do and with that kind of excitement that uh, adrenaline rush it it definitely helps to be an athlete at your caliber and any olympian for that matter self-talk is important and self-motivation is is critical so who do you look to when it comes to that self-motivation or who do you listen to rather any messages that you've really picked up on over your career that you rely on and that you ultimately fall back on in times of need? Uh, this will be my coach of 16 years. Um, uh, first coach I had when I started fencing when I was nine years old and now he's the Olympic national coach. So it's going to be there with me in Tokyo. Um, knowing me for the last 16 years, he knows exactly how I feel when I walk into the gym, no matter what face I have, he knows exactly what I'm dealing with. Uh, if I'm having a hard day or if I'm really excited and I got to bring that notch down, just focus a little more. Um, he definitely understands my, um, persona, my aura, and we were able to bounce off ideas really quickly. And yeah, I trust him, you know, He's a captain of the ship and whatever he says, I'm going to go with it. You know, uh, if he tells me to jump off the bridge, I'm going to jump off the bridge. You know, that's how it is. Uh, but no, seriously, like been in with him for like the last 16 years um, and I respect him and uh, all the advice he's given me has led me to my success and to the games where I'm going to in the next like few weeks. So it only makes sense for me to continue uh, trusting him, having his advice like sink in and um, going forth with it. What's the biggest piece of advice that your coach gives you the second before you take that strip and you're about to- Have fun. The Olympics. Have fun. All the blood, sweat, and tears um, that we, you know, over the course of the years of all the training and hard work that we've done, uh, you know, you compare it to the best of ability and that very second, right before you get on the strip, there's not much you can change to um, uh, there's not much that you can change that will, you know, excel your fencing or, do, you know, or small margin that will, you know, get you to be your opponent. So he'll just come up to me and be like, Hey, listen, just, just have fun. Just go out and do it. You know, he can't change my on guard stance. He can't change um, a technique thing like last minute. Cause you know, that thing takes time over you practice it for it for years. Right. It doesn't just happen overnight. So just, I remember all the time, every single, every competition, he comes up to me and goes, just have fun. And uh, I take that to my heart and like I said, cool head and I'll just give it my all.
Oh, we certainly hope that you have fun in Tokyo every time you take that strip. Now, let's get away from the fencing talk and let's go back to some media things. And you and I were talking before we started this podcast and you said, I've had emails and I've got media obligations yeah. left and right more than you're used to, I, I imagine, at this point in time. But when you are going through that media stuff, what is it like from your perspective? Uh, so... It has like, I, yeah, like you said, I've been doing all these interviews of, you know, NBC, USA Today, a um, bunch of media outlets from Penn State already and uh, Boston Globe and some local channels from my hometown. And like you said, it's the same questions over and over again. And I, the biggest thing I can answer is, I don't know, I'm just so proud to be representing my country at the highest honor of like athleticism sporting event that you can um there's so much like i wish i can explain the amount of sacrifice and blood sweat and tears that has been put in for the last like eight years this isn't like you know hey i'm gonna like start fencing in two years qualify for olympics it's been half of my life getting to this moment um and like i said you can try to explain and describe um the journey but you you can't just explain in just a few sentences and try to like have someone else understand it it's a life span process and come to this moment that you're actually like representing the United States at the Olympics is such an honor. And I just really hope I can make my fellow, you know, family members, friends, whoever was misapporting me for the last like few years who understand my journey because they followed me through this journey for the last several years. Um, I just hope I can make them proud. Why are you so proud to wear that United States flag? Um, Land of the home, uh, the uh, land of the free and the brave, right? Like, that's what it is. Um, come on, it's the United States. Uh, people leave their countries to come here for opportunity. Um, like, just like my parents. My parents are both from Poland. I'm first-generation American. And um, seeing their hard work and dedication for me to become uh, an American and try to live an American lifestyle, uh, upcoming i mean it was a little difficult like not difficult um growing up with european parents i definitely didn't get accustomed to like football sundays or american sports like baseball i got that mostly from my friends growing up um but yeah i just like like you said there's so much diversity in this country you you know you can go you can be in the city of new york city and like you go a few blocks over it and you're in a completely different culture which is phenomenal um and I, I cherish that uh you have like the whole world coming here and kind of makes this uh, this country the center of the world when you think about penn state your time at penn state what was your favorite american sport that you could watch there uh come on i think you already know the answer to this one uh penn state we are football come on um uh, i never went to a football game until I went to Penn State. What? Swear to God. Never went. I like I grew up in Boston, never went to a Patriots game, never saw Tom Brady play, which I wish I did, but I just never understood the sport, didn't understand it. Um, and then I got to Penn State, went to my first tailgate, went to my first game, saw how electrifying the crowd is, but I didn't know anything about it, right? I was just like, oh, what, is, what is this American sport they're talking about? Whatever, like, let's go, let's have fun. And then I walked through the stadium, like, wow, this is, this is, really, this is really big. Um, 
and then you know the beginning with the nitty line coming and running and everyone's cheering and everyone's got the white towels i'm pretty sure it was a white game a white out game i think the first game was white out game and everyone's got their white towels everyone's wearing white and i was like wow this is really cool oh my god and um and then you know every time they score a football we had the tradition of like throwing people up in the air and i actually was exhausted at the end of the game because I didn't realize when you're sitting in the student section, you're not actually sitting, you're standing for the whole entire game. Um, and so like, even when I tried sitting, people were like, yo, listen, you need to get up. I'm like, but I gotta save my legs for practice. Like, but so I got up, got through it all. And uh, definitely was not my last football game during my Penn State experience. That's awesome. I can't yeah. imagine how many students actually don't realize that uh, you have to stand the entire game, but that's a different story. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, what is a successful trip for you to Tokyo? Um, winning, winning the whole thing. Um, I think it's very important for any athlete in any sport, just having the right mentality and really believing that they can win. If you don't think you can win you're going to the Olympics, then come on, like, what are you going there for? You're, you're there to compete. You're trying to show that um, you're the best one on the field, uh, court, pool, fencing strip, whatever it is, give it your all. And I think everyone has a chance to win. It all comes down to mentality. I'm not sure how Andrew could have said that any better. If you're not going to the Olympics to win it, why are you even going? Good little advice there from Andrew. Good luck to him throughout the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, but that's going to do it for this Olympic edition of the Let's Go State podcast. Stay tuned to GoPSUSports.com throughout the summer games for more exclusive Penn State-related content.